Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to We Have a Take the What podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, and I'm so excited today to be joined by first-time guest, Raphael Barlow. Now, Raphael is the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. He is also the owner and operator of uh, NBA Big Board Newsletter. He mm-hmm. is the host of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, and he's also worked as a videographer, a skills trainer, and a basketball scout. He does it all. Raphael, welcome to We Have a Take. Thank you, Avenue. I'm trying to figure out where did you find that bio? <laughs> you got, you got, somebody made a really good bio. Is it inaccurate? Did I no, get it no, right? it's, it's just... accurate. I, I'm sure it was me. I'm a one man. I'm a one man team. So I'm sure it was me. I just trying to remember when did I when did I write that bio? <laughs> so <laughs> well, if you really want to go like look under the hood, it's on the it's on the big board site. It's on the uh, okay. site. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I actually the first time I really started uh, uh, noticing your work was when uh, Chad Ford made like a big like I am turning over this work. And I knew his name and I was like, well, mm-hmm. this is exciting. Like Chad Ford gets to retire and he's like handpicked somebody to yeah. like continue on this work. And that's kind of, you. it feels like kind of a unique situation because I feel like it everything is. is usually like really cutthroat and it's like, you know, whoever's going to take, it's going to take it. But I, I don't know, I'll, I'll stop talking. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, man, it was, it was, um, it was very interesting. So I, I had only like met Chad in in person one time and um, I guess we got a little bit of time. So 2020, I started a podcast. It was one of those things where it was on my mind, you know, do it, do it, do it. And um, excuse me, I was actually living in China at the time. And then I ended up having to come back home for, for COVID reasons. So I had plenty of time. So I just decided to start the podcast. When I started the podcast, I had plenty of time because I was just cranking out episodes and then i ended up getting picked up by the locked on um the locked on network they they heard my work and then chad heard me and um he invited me to come on his show and i remember getting the email like this can't be the real chat for it <laughs> and so uh we did a few shows together and then we did a live draft show in 2021 so it was here in, it was here in dallas i live in dallas and that was my first time meeting him and we spent time together kind of telling our stories and then um, last year, I had I got married in in Paris, and uh, it, it sounds very very glamorous, but it was just me, my wife at the Eiffel Tower, and a photographer. So I mean, it, it, just I mean, <laughs> that was pretty impressive. <laughs> it, it, it it was impressive, but I guarantee you, it was cheaper than that than the average wedding by a lot. Because I see. So you, it wasn't like a destination wedding where like a no. million people flew in, and you no, had to, like, it was it. like. No, we just get up early, caught a photographer. I'm ready to get up for like six o'clock in the morning, make sure there's nobody in our shot. And it's so um, it sounds glamorous, but it was very, very cheap in a sense, as cheap as you can get as far as like being able to go to Paris. So anyway, and my plan was to spend the season abroad and live over in Europe. Because um, when I did the episode, when the the draft show, there was a guy who was like the last pick in the draft. And I knew his name. It's like George. I can't pronounce the name, but I knew his name and nobody knew. And so um, somebody reached out to me and was like, you did really good on the show. I can't believe, you know, all these international guys. And I was like, yeah, I know. Them. And they were like, you need to go back overseas. And I mean, just kind of make that your, your your niche. 
I said, okay, I mean, I can try just, you know, budget reasons. It's And so um, someone invested and um, they just say, hey, I'll give you a stipend to, to live overseas to, you know, and so um, I know it's kind of long story short. So anyway, um, somebody tweeted, if you won $10 million, would you go back to work the next day? And my reply was, I would. I'm doing what I enjoy doing. I'm doing what I love. $10 million would just mean I have a bigger budget to do what I want to do. And at the time, I had no idea that Chad was thinking about retiring. And um, he called me and said, hey, you know, I was kind of wrestling with retirement. And, and you know, do I just let the, the newsletter go or do I try to hand it over to somebody? And he said, I saw your tweet. And he, he told me that he showed it to his wife and his wife says, that's your guy. This is what he's passionate about. And so um, so Chad told me he was going to retire and he told me he's going to retire. I think he said he's going to finish out the draft cycle. And then um, uh, one day I was so I ended up spending the majority of the season in Europe. But my wife, we found out she was pregnant. So she came back to the States in January. So I came home once a month to go to the doctor's appointment. So she wouldn't have to go by herself. And so one weekend I was back and Chad must have sent me a text at like three o'clock in the morning. It says, I'm announcing my retirement today. And but I didn't see it because I was asleep. And when I woke up, he had already announced it. So I had a gazillion messages. So I was kind of as stunned as everybody else was in a sense, because I wasn't expecting it to happen until around August. And I think it was like in April or something like that. So I know that's a long winded answer, but uh, it's it's been great. I mean, it's kind of surreal in a sense because chat with somebody who I used to, you know, know from ESPN Insider and just out of all the people in the world, all the people that are doing draft content, he handpicked me. It, it means a lot. It's a little bit of pressure. I got big shoes to fill in a sense, but I mean, I'm enjoying it. That was a great, like, there were like 12 points in that story where I was like, <laughs> I got some stories going, oh, for you. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so wonderful. That's so sweet. So yeah, we've already gone completely off the rails. I was going to ask you an icebreaker okay. question, but the ice, I think I, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. We got <laughs> time. Wanna, okay. Yeah, so our time. icebreaker question today, it's a beautiful fall day in Portland, Oregon. So mm-hmm. I was uh, inspired to ask, um, and knowing that you've traveled all over the world, what mm-hmm. is your favorite season and where? Okay, my favorite season and where, and maybe this is being a prisoner of the moment. I would say fall in Paris, just because I was there last week, <laughs> and it was fall. Um, but fall in Paris is pretty cool because it's it's um, you know it's not hot, you know. And Paris is known for fashion, so people are pulling it out there. You know, their cool fashion clothes and and the cool uh, trench coats and the and and the. Um, I can't think. But anyway, you know, so it's like it's it's a season of fashion in Paris, but at the same time, people are out walking. And so I, I'd have to say fall in Paris. And like I said, I was just there last week. So maybe that's the reason. But I had a great time when I was there. I was thinking the exact same thing as a prisoner of the moment, because like, you know, it's fall in Oregon is really gorgeous. So I was like trying to um, challenge myself to think of something that was not fall in um, Oregon. And the only other answer I have, because I've traveled abroad, but only in the summertime where it's Mm -hmm. like hot and sticky and it's like, you know, not really that exciting. So 
um, growing up um, winter in Portland was really Mm -hmm. cool because it like rarely snowed. And when it did, we just all completely freaked out because we had no idea if it snowed in Portland, everything shut down because nobody knew what to do because it never snowed. And we would just all be like everything like you didn't have like all of your responsibilities went out the window and all you had to do was sit there and play in the snow. So second best, I would say, is those old winters. Now it's like, oh, I guess I have to learn how to drive in the snow because it snows oh, more wow. often and I'm a grown up and now it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, what's crazy is I'm a, and I was probably going to mention later, but I am a huge Trailblazers fan. I have Trailblazers gear. Actually, I just ordered a sweatshirt a couple weeks ago. I've never been to Portland. I always end up watching them whenever they go to different cities. So I haven't been to Portland this year. My plan is to go to the Nike hoop summit. Okay. And then if I can get there early enough or late enough to where if there's the last Blazers game before the hoop summit or the first afterwards. We but uh get yeah, you to Portland. Oh yeah, my yeah. I mean I'm a big Nike fan, Blazers fan. So Oh, we gotta get I you in the to Moda go. Center. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. This, this needs to happen. Um, okay. Well, let's, so let's roll it back a little bit and let's, uh, um, I'd love to hear just kind of like, um, where did your love of basketball come from and how did you become a trailblazer fan? So it's actually kind of connected in a sense. Um, when I was younger, my dad brought home this magazine street and Smith's. I don't know if you remember that magazine. It's like a street and Smith. It was like the you know, the basketball magazine, they had a college basketball version and they had an NBA version. Um, copy of one like right here, like it's an older magazine. So this is from like 87 or something like that. Is that Bobby I just Knight remember, on the front? Yeah, Bobby Knight and Keith Smart, the former coach of the Sacramento Kings. So I just remember being in like third grade and just reading it every day, just going back and forth, reading it every day, every day, every day. And then maybe... I'm 43. So every maybe early 90s, um, my dad me and my dad watched Kenny Anderson and Bobby Hurley. Like that was a big rivalry. They were like the two top freshmen at the time. Kenny went to Georgia Tech. Bobby Hurley went to Duke. And Kenny Anderson was left-handed. And so at the time, I'm left-handed. I'm thinking like, oh, I could be the next Kenny Anderson. So I followed his career. And then uh, I was kind of shocked in a sense because he was such a huge huge star in college and i couldn't figure out why he wasn't a huge nba star and um so it kind of really had me interested in the draft in a sense and then when kenny went to portland i think it was like 96 and so um i became a blazers fan you know as a kid i grew up as like a bulls fan or whatever and then i just wanted to be different so i became a blazers fan and then my favorite college player after that was Rasheed Wallace. So if I'm not mistaken, they came the same summer, if I'm not mistaken. I think Rasheed was 95 draft. Yeah. So they came. And then um, after that, it was like, I don't know any other Blazers fans. I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. So then it became like, I'm different. I'm a big Blazers fan. They got like two of my favorite college players on the same team. And then it just kind of went on from there. And uh and and here I am. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I remember um listening when you were a guest on the Jack Ramsey's podcast and mm-hmm. you said you were a Blazer fan. And I was like, 
Does he just say that to everybody to butter him up? No, <laughs> no, you really are. And then, so then I kind of thought, well, maybe a, a lot of people that I've talked to who are Blazer fans became Blazer fans because of Damian Lillard. But you are like no. way back in the day. That's that was about I, that I makes became me feel... a fan in the early nineties. So yeah, that was way back. Yeah, man, Damian Stoudemire, Isaiah Ryder. I remember. So this is crazy. So when I was in college, I went to college in ninety seven, and this is, you know, it sounds so long ago. It makes me feel so old, but Watch I used it, to record I'm 10 years older than you. <laughs> okay. So I used to record every Blazers game on VHS. And by the time I moved to Dallas in like 04, I had a big chest of Blazers games, VHS tapes. And I used to watch them all the time. And one of my favorite Blazers games is... I don't remember what year, maybe 90s. It was in the 90s. They beat the Jazz in the playoffs. And there's a team that had Jim Jackson and I think Bonzi. And I just remember like all of them taking their shirts off and, <laughs> and celebrating. And it was only like a first round, maybe even a second round win. Um, but yeah, I remember that that fondly. Um Again, like I just used to love how the Blazers had these big guards that like to post up between Ryder and Jim Jackson and Bonzi Wells and then Rashid used to post up. So I was, yeah, I'm a huge Blazers fan. I can go on. And on. That's so awesome. And then Zebo. And then I'm a huge Zebo fan. A lot of the people that I know who uh, listen to the podcast are long time, like original season ticket holders, like kind of thing, like who've been with them since they run. So they're going to love to hear everything that you just said. They're going to be like, oh, okay. that's so awesome. You just, your credibility, your like cred is just like huge with Blazer fans right now. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. It's, it's even funny because, uh, my roommate was a Lakers fan. So again, oh, I get to so college sorry. in 97 and I had like this Nick Van Exel jersey that somebody bought me. I don't know why. I think it was a joke. And I used to just jokingly put it on the ground as like my our floor mat. Like we used to step on it. <laughs> and now I consider Nick a friend. He ended up being a blazer later on and all of that. So that's kind of weird. But uh, yeah, I used to. Uh, I mean, still, even to this day, I even though I'm supposed to like kind of not be biased and just kind of be general because of the work I do. It, it's I would never, or I have a, I always have a hard time liking the Lakers. And I, well, I shouldn't say I never really like them, but you know, I mean, I'm a just true Blazer fan. Yeah, I haven't recovered from 2000. Yeah, none of us have. Um, <laughs> well, that is awesome. Um, I we're going to talk about some Blazers pretty soon, but before we do that, um, I'm I'm super interested in the choice of you know focusing on the draft and scouting. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you talked a little bit about like Kenny Anderson and being really into him and that kind of got, got you into it. How did you like start doing the, the work that, you know, has become your career now? So it's always something that I wanted to do. And um, I ended up falling into a trap that I think most people fall into is you have this goal or this dream job, and then you become an adult and you need money, and then you just start working, and then you just fall into this trap, and, and then you ended up just being so far away from your goals and your dreams. And so I did that until I was about 30. And at 30, I just decided, you know, I'm just gonna, I don't have any kids, I'm not married, just gonna go for it. So I ended up taking like this unpaid internship here in, in, in Dallas with the Texas Legends, the Mavericks G League team, which the team that the Blazers <laughs> weirdly send a lot of their guys since they don't have a G League team. 
and I couldn't, I, I knew I wanted to like work in the NBA front office in some capacity, but I, at the time I did not know like what would be my, my niche or what would it be that would kind of separate me. So I went through this journey of like um, creating video content, which at the time in the early, well, maybe like 10 years ago, video content wasn't as popular as it is now. So I was like creating content for players and, and um, trying to get into scouting. And then like, I feel like most people that have wanted to work in the NBA, I was applying for jobs on like teamworkonline.com and NBA, whatever job sites they have. And I mean, there are jobs on there, but there was never anything really related to like the basketball operations side. It would be like tickets, it would be marketing or so on. And so I knew like, all right, I, I'll never be able to get into scouting by applying for a job. The only way I can get in this field is if I just create my own, create my own content and use that as as my resume. So in 2016, I started NBA Draft Junkies. And um I was yeah, I was actually living in Europe at the time doing a video project for a player. And I had plenty of free time. I mean <laughs> plenty of free time. So I taught myself how to build a website and and then I, I knew how to make and cut videos on YouTube. So I started putting videos on YouTube. Then I started creating like player profiles on my website and just very grassroots learning and trial and error. Just kept going, kept going, kept going. I never stopped. And um, but yeah, I just always had interest in like the draft and team building. And then I, I really fell in love with international prospects because it was like, all right, this guy is good over here, but could I put him? In the States, would he be a star in high school? Would he be a star in college? Can he play in the NBA? So that really intrigued me. And my three favorite things in the world are like creating content, traveling, and basketball. And so I'm very, very blessed and fortunate that I've been able to combine all three. And that so, is and, so cool. Man, yeah, congratulations it, on that. Because not not everybody can say that. And it sounds like it was yeah. a lot of work, but like here you are. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, it's work, but, you know, if it's something you really love, sometimes you can look up and say, oh, wow, I didn't realize I just spent six hours doing that. And so um, I'm, I am very, very thankful that I stuck with it. Uh, and, and, you know, the work doesn't it doesn't feel like work to me. Well, so so there's there's like a lot of different things that it sounds like you're doing. There's, there's the, um, you know, there's the videography and like when somebody, I imagine like, did it start with somebody saying, you know, Hey, you're in Europe and I want to see what this kid looks like. Can you go get me some video of it? Or like, how did you learn? Like, even like what to look for, I mean, um, and what people wanted to know so that you could like be helpful to, you know, teams or agents. I mean, I don't even know how does any of that work. I, all I know about agents or scouts are mm -hmm. like when I go to summer league and they all sit in one area and they look extremely serious and scary. That's all I know about scouts. Well, <laughs> so, next year at summer league, we'll have to meet up. We'll have to meet and, and, and grab some. We got to get you to Portland first. Okay. And then uh, summer league. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So let me think. So I, my major in college was um, TV broadcasting. So at the time in college, my goal was to like work for ESPN. I wanted to work for ESPN. And then right away, well, I was in like this program in high school that I did all the TV stuff. I knew how to edit. I knew how to do all this stuff. And it was like a, a really advanced program. 
that was part of like the Omaha public school system. So when I got to college, I had already basically had a college degree in TV broadcasting. So everything in college was like repeat. So I was like on cruise control in college, playing a lot of video games and <laughs> really a lot of video games. And um, and I, I, I felt like, you know, at the time to be on TV, I felt like I had to, I couldn't really be myself. I had to talk like, you know, have, have my TV voice. And so when I feel like it's not me, I'm kind of, um, I don't know, I guess calm and laid back demeanor and, and, and so on. I didn't just have like a TV voice. And honestly, I didn't want to like start off covering sports in some small town in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so I ended up just kind of getting a job. So anyway, long story short, when I, when I did take the internship with the Legends, this was like 10 years after I graduated from college. Um that was when like the iMovie and all that stuff was kind of available on, on, um, you know, Max. And I thought like, you know what, I could do that. And of course, technology had changed so much between that time. And I was like, you know, I can figure that out. And how I really, really got into it was, um, uh, it's a crazy story. I've, I've had so many crazy stories. So I figure if I want to work in an NBA front office or be valuable, I need to learn how to like train, like, you know, learn what trainers are doing. So there was a guy that was training players, uh, a couple guys that played for the Mavericks. And I had mentioned to him, I said, hey, can I watch one of your workouts? And I just wanted to film it just so I could study, basically steal his drills. So I came to his workout with an iPad and I filmed it. He had Josh Howard and Devin Harris that played for the Mavericks. And so I think Josh was well, Josh was just coming off a knee injury. So after I get home, I'm watching it and I'm thinking like, I, this is my first time seeing NBA players like being in a gym with them. And I get a call that says, hey, do you have any video of Josh dunking? We just want to send it to a team to show that he's healthy because his surgically repaired knee is fine. So I thought like, all right, if I were an NBA GM, what would I want to see? So I ended up making like a, maybe four or five minute video of every time he jumped off his surgically repaired knee. So I sent it over. And again, I, I have no idea like really what I'm doing. I get a phone call maybe a couple hours later and it's like his Josh's manager. He's screaming. He's like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm going to take care of you. So I have no idea what's going on. The next day, a friend of mine I went to college with calls me and he says, is there another person at Rafael Barlow? And I said, I don't think so. He says, well, there's a video that's in the Washington Post that shows that has your name. Wow. And so like my very first like video, if it wasn't my first, it may have been like my second or third made the Washington Post. And that's when I thought like, all right, there's not a lot of, you know, any of this video stuff going on. It's either really professional or there's nothing. So that's when I thought, like, all right, if I really focus on this video stuff, it will give me access and open some doors I would never be able to get, to, get into, and it would bring some value. So that's kind of how I started doing the video stuff. And then, um, and I got I got so many stories. So another big break that I had for me. So I ended up doing video stuff at that point. A, a big break for me was, and this was crazy. So my parents went to Paris for like a trip, and um, it was like a church trip, right? And so the church paid for me to film. They wanted me to document it. So I'm, I'm in Paris and um, I tweet, man, I would love to live abroad. Like visiting is cool, but I would love to actually live here and be immersed in the culture. And I get a call from an agent 
and he says, are you serious? And I said, I'm dead serious. He says, so you wouldn't you wouldn't mind like being gone for an entire basketball season living in another country. And I said, I would love to. So he says, well, we have a job for you. So we have this client. He's fresh out of college. He is extremely immature. He's going to need a babysitter or he's going to, you know, blow an opportunity. He's just extremely immature. He's kind of been enabled his whole life and he doesn't know how to be a professional, but his team is paying him like $6,000 a month. And he really has an opportunity to make a lot of money. So like, would you just wake him up, make sure he gets to practice? And I'm like, I get paid for that. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it ended up not happening because his team was like, we're, we are aware of his immaturity. We we know that we've done our research um, and we don't allow our rookies to have roommates. So I was kind of disappointed. And then the same agent says, well, you know what? We may have another situation for you. And all we want you to do is just film and just create content for one of our players while he's over there. And it's like, he really doesn't even want to be by himself. So if you're there creating content, it makes it easier so he doesn't have to like go to dinner by himself, so on. So I, I did that. So that was 2016. And that's kind of when it changed when I was like, all right, maybe I can like work on my website. Now I have time to work on my website and I can start this dream I have of having the NBA draft website. And that's kind of how it started. Oh my God. Okay. So much in there. Um, first I will note that that is the second story that you told about tweeting something and then something happening as a result about that. Yeah. It, it's crazy. How many kids Yeah, tweet. And I, I will say this and I, I tell people all the time, content, content, content. And even if you're tweeting, you never know who is paying attention. So even if it's like being professional you never know who's paying attention. And I and I can honestly say, I mean, I've put in like a lot of time and a lot of work, but it was a couple of tweets behind the effort and the work behind that that played a role in like changing my life. That's amazing. I never thought that I would hear stories like that. And that's that's wow. Okay. And my other observation is like that would be my perfect dream job. <laughs> like help somebody just like be a companion and get them through. That's what team mom is all about. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's time to wake up. Let's go. I'm and none of them want me around. So it <laughs> makes a lot more sense that they want, want somebody who's a little bit more contemporary than they, than they are, but maybe I'll hold on to that dream and I'll keep tweeting about how I would love to make sure everybody's eating milkshakes so that they can bulk up and maybe somebody will notice and be like, you know, that lady, she's really concerned about helping our, our teammates or uh, our players bulk up maybe she can bring him a milkshake every day from burgerville you, you, you never know i mean it, it's it's <laughs> i mean in just reality these guys are entering the professional ranks younger and younger every year and so i mean if you think about it like most people are at their financial peak when they are mature enough to handle it and in sports and entertainment you can be at your financial peak at 18 or 19 yeah, years old. No and so, <laughs> yeah. So I always tell people that when they judge these guys making mistakes, I'm like, all right, what were you doing at 19? Imagine if you were 19 and you had a million dollars in your bank account, how mature would you be? Like you were, if you were immature with $54 in your account <laughs> as a <laughs> broke college student, it's going to be even bigger when you are getting 
I don't know, $250,000 every first and 15th every month. And yeah. so there is a, a a need for someone to look out. I mean, I, I've talked to a couple of parents recently and their kids are expected to be drafted. I'm like, are you going to go live with your kids? And some will be like, oh, yes, I'm definitely going. And some will be like, oh, no, he's 18 now. He's on his own. And I, I do think like every team should have a team mom, you know, someone that works with the team and their job could be something like, you know, bring the guy groceries or just be like a mother figure in some form or fashion. So I, I do think that could be a, a career for you, honestly. <laughs> well, I'm getting closer to retirement every day, so I'm probably not going to start all over, but you never know. Maybe as yeah. a part time gig, I could just, you know, deliver cookies or whatever and make sure. But it would be you- fun. <laughs> I know it would. I and so I love the young players and watching the young players come into the league, watching the young players develop and come into start. Like I love that. And um, you know, as a Blazer fan, you probably have felt how over the last you know decade watching the young players play wasn't necessarily something that we got to see a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Terry Stotts relied on his veterans a lot and uh, didn't play his youngsters with the exception of, um, of Damian Lillard. But now the team has a lot of bouncy young players who I'm crossing my fingers are, you know, maybe getting a little bit more playing time than they did in the past. Mm-hmm. When you're doing your, like your big board, the work for the big board, like how many players do you have to learn about every season to like effectively be able to talk about the draft the way that you do <laughs> that's just crazy it's a question and i guess when i answer it's gonna probably make me sound like a guy that has no life but i try to watch three to five players every day oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and wow, so see, i would it's... get attached that would be my problem is i'd be like oh he's lovely oh i like I, you know he's rough but maybe he can i would get completely attached to each one of them yeah. And I mean, there is like a fan element. Like, I don't want to make it seem like I'm this guy that is all, you know, business. I mean, there are guys that I'm just a fan of. Like, I like their style of play. I like how they score. It may not be the best NBA fit, but it, I do have to sometimes separate it. Um, but yeah, I try to watch as many guys as possible. And, you know, a typical day for me, especially now, is I, I watch film and I just kind of put different notes in my phone on my iPhone. And then, um, you know, if it's six months later, I can go back to my notes and, and kind of add or subtract different things. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I try to know a lot and, and every year I try to get better. So this year I want to know, I mean, only 60 guys, give or take a, if there's like some weird tampering thing where they take yeah. picks away from a team 58 this year <laughs> yeah oh so you know your stuff okay so uh but yeah Jabari so there's Walker's only biggest fan <laughs> oh yeah yeah you know i was not high on him until the combine and now i'm like this guy has to find a way to earn some minutes this year okay tell me more tell me more about that about uh Jabari Walker. About, i want to talk about some of the, the some of these young players who are with the blazers now and like what your impressions were and kind of like what you think of now that you've seen a little bit of them play yeah um so jabari walker was someone that i watched film after his freshman year he shot a really good percentage from three and i thought okay well maybe that will be his 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 ticket in the sense is that he knocks down open shots and then the three, it was on a low volume of attempts. And then his sophomore season, 
the three point percentage decline and on on more attempts. And I thought like, ah, uh, actually, me and Chad kind of disagreed on it because I don't think I had him in my top sixty at at one point, and Chad had him in, and. Then he made me a believer at the NBA Combine. So it was like my first NBA Combine, which was a cool experience. And he just changed games with like his effort and energy. I mean, he just, he didn't take a lot of shots, but he just was, it was like he had a magnet to the ball. Like the ball found him, hustle plays, rebounds, running the floor. And I'm like, okay, this is a guy that you don't need to like run plays for. And he can impact games. And then... He showed it at Summer League. It was even more impressive at Summer League. So now I'm like, all right, he's young. I mean, he may have been one of the steals of the draft based off of Summer League. But now it's like, all right, can we squeeze him in the rotation? Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, I'm going to go through a list of the guys that I'm really curious about what your thoughts are. Again, like what it was like when you were learning about them before the draft and then now. Um, so another guy that I really enjoyed watching last year, like, so last year's tanking season for me, actually, um, I wouldn't say I loved watching them lose, but mm-hmm. I loved the opportunity to watch these guys who we never would have been able to play, watch play, you know? Yeah. So Trendon Watford is somebody that like, uh, you know, he was undrafted and earned a contract. So yeah. do you remember him from your, you know, studying the draft? Was he somebody who kind of flew under the radar? Yeah, I actually remember his brother when he when mm-hmm. he played for Indiana. So I kind of knew of him because of his older brother. Um, but yeah, right? I mean, uh, yes, yes, yep. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he surprised me. I I thought he was like a fringe NBA player. I mean, you know, he's not like the most athletic. He's not gonna always pass the eye test as like a guy that's jumping out the gym or whatever. But he just knows how to play basketball. And so, I I liked. I like the fact that, like you said, younger guys had an opportunity to play. And, um, you know, I'm still kind of disappointed that uh, Brandon Williams just got cut yeah. because I thought he played really well. And it's a, it's such a numbers game, but he has such a great story, you know, that you couldn't help but root for him. And I thought he made the most of his opportunity. But sometimes when you don't have a guaranteed contract. <laughs> I was super confused by that because now, because he w- had one of their two ways and now they don't have any two ways. And I have assumed that they'll fill them with something, but like he was solid last year. Yeah, He was, he was good. And hopefully he finds somewhere to stick. I mean, this is a guy who thought his career was over at mm-hmm. one point and just made, made the most of it. And that's kind of like the hard part at least for me, as far as like scouting, when you see guys you, you really like and, and they play well in the opportunity and, and then you just realize like, man, there's only like 400 spots mm-hmm. in the entire world. And, you know, if this guy is the 401st best player, I mean, imagine if you're the 401st best at your job, you're like elite <laughs> in any field. You're And uh, he's just, you know, he, he just got caught in the numbers game. So... But I, I hopefully find somewhere in any sticks because I think he is an NBA player. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was wondering if maybe the Blazers just realized that they weren't likely to have a chance for him to move up and play. And after last season, they wanted to give him the opportunity. Maybe some, maybe somebody else is already interested. I, you know, yeah. I don't know. 
Um, I mean, that's that's thinking that teams really are doing the right thing for players. I think more so teams are thinking about themselves first. Take off my rose-colored glasses, but it's a whole new <laughs> regime in Portland now, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I just talked to Mike Schmidt. Uh, oh yeah, Thursday. I, just I was going to ask about about him and how you think that you know his. Um, to me, it seems like a great opportunity for the Blazers to like really um, go young with that much knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Mike Schmidt has my dream path. Like my dream path is to transition from what I'm doing now to TV to like a significant role within NBA front office, and so. I'm a fan of Mike. I mean, he's a a great guy, just a great guy, period. He's just one of these people. You've never heard anybody say anything bad about him. And um, and when I when I sent him a congratulations text, I was like, I'm a Blazers fan. And he was like, really? And so I was like, yeah, no, it's like I'm like really a Blazers fan. So seeing him transition from ESPN to the assistant general manager with my favorite team, I'm already rooting for him just because who he is as a person. It makes me even root for him a little more because he, he's with the Blazers. Yeah. And I, I recall hearing and like, if I'm wrong about this, um, uh, forgive me, but I recall that um, the Blazers didn't really have a strong international scouting um, presence at that you know, before mm-hmm. he came, that it was a more limited scouting team than some of the other um, yeah. teams have. So I'm I'm intrigued to see if you know, because I mean, well, you've been watching uh, Wimbanyama play yeah. uh, recently, so like I'm I'm just like I don't, I can't even wrap my head around like how the league is going to change in the next few years just because of like all of these international players who are like coming from a whole different um path than yeah. our players who grew up here and i don't know i'm just i'm i have no idea what the league's gonna turn into me me also and more so from the marketing aspect because the international players aren't big into marketing and being a brand i mean you look at Jokic; he was the mvp i don't even think he has instagram <laughs> Giannis doesn't do a lot of commercials luca doesn't do a lot of talking um so i just wonder like you know, if they transition and, and you know, Luka, Jokic, and those guys are your stars of the league and they don't care about being pitchmen and, and doing a lot of branding, mm-hmm. I wonder <laughs> how does the league. Yeah, uh, it's really you know, interesting. Yeah, because, you know, you transition from Magic and Bird to Jordan to LeBron and Kobe and even like Dame has so many like endorsements and you see him on TV and he's made himself one of the highest paid players off the court in in a small market because he has such a likable personality in a sense. I think it's more so like this genuine, like this is who he is, this loyal guy, but the international guys, they have no interest Mm -hmm. in any marketing at all. So from that aspect, I'm looking at it as like, what does the league do? Yeah. I haven't even thought about it from the marketing perspective. And um, I would love to have you come on another time because I also just want to talk about how the the game is going to change because of not just the international aspect of the new players coming in, but these seven feet, five guys who can dribble pass and shoot yeah he's a <laughs> you know, that's a like, one of one but yeah i mean yeah i i'd love to come getting, on if, if you want to go a little longer I, I have time today so well i got a couple more young guys that i want to ask you about 
Okay. I'm leading up to Shaden, but before we get to Shaden, um, I don't know if you, um, have had much chance to hear about like, you know, training camp and how Portland things are going in Portland, but the word is out that Keon Johnson has really, um, started to, uh, impress people. What do you remember about him? Um, and you know, have you had a chance to, uh, does this trajectory for him make sense? It does. So when I first saw him, I thought like, all right, this guy's one, he's really, really good athlete. And I was like, if he puts it together, he can, he can be good. He has a few things that he may need to work on, but you just can't really teach that type of athleticism. And, um, you know what I mean? I think he'll end up being like the biggest player in that, in that Clippers deal. And, you know, for him, it was like the best thing because the Clippers are trying to win now and they you know, had so many guys ahead of him. And then he was able to just showcase what he could do in Portland. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does, especially since the team is going to transition from we're just trying to get you guys some experience to trying to win. And so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing to seeing what he does and then, you know, him getting an, oppor- an opportunity to to really play. You know, given how much stuff you have going on and, you know, the brand new baby and the international travel, you probably haven't had a lot of time to watch Blazer preseason games. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you know what's going on? These young guys are throwing lobs to each other. It's the yeah. most beautiful, heartwarming thing I've yeah. seen in so long. Yeah, Blazers haven't been the most athletic team in years. <laughs> so it is interesting to see, like, the athleticism and and guys that can do different things like i felt like the blazers team from a few years ago the team that lost to the pelicans it was like all right we only have two guys that can dribble dame and cj and if you give other guys the ball they really can't make plays right even though that team went to the conference finals a few years later and so with this team is i'm not saying it's as talented but you do see guys that have you know, different skill sets to where they can attack closeouts and, and just they're athletic and, and they're more fun to watch. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of weird because the Blazers haven't been athletic in the last few years. I know. I, I keep telling people that the way I'm going to um, uh, decide whether or not the season is going well or they, the games are good games is depending on how many times a game I go, oh, that's new. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't think of the last time you saw a Blazers wing catch a lob. <laughs> you know? It's it's like it brings it literally almost brings tears to my eyes when it happens because I'm just so excited. Um, I want to talk about first uh briefly about Greg Brown. Um he still young, raw, athletic. Mm-hmm. Um do you think that he's going to have the opportunity to find a place on this team? That's a good question. You know, I live in Dallas, so I had a chance to watch Greg when he was in high school. He went to high school in Austin, and he's always just been like an elite, elite level athlete. And he had a rough freshman year at Texas. And I think the key for him is to find a def- or to find a defined role or defined skill set outside of just being athletic. And if he can, you know, become a consistent shooter, then maybe. But, you know, for this year, I don't know. I really don't know. And, I mean, this is kind of a joke. Um, If Greg Brown is playing major minutes 
then that means the Blazers have went all in on the Wimbayama sweepstakes. <laughs> so <laughs> that means something went terribly wrong and now they're trying to get Victor Wimbayama. Yeah, that's another thing that I am really interested to see what happens um, because of those two top amazing prospects. Yeah, like at what point season. do they say, okay, you know what? <laughs> Pump yeah. the brakes. We're starting all over. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about um, the future of the franchise. Um, the young man who all of my hopes and dreams are on his shoulders right now. Shade and sharp. <laughs> uh Look, I don't I have a lot of information like most people. <laughs> one of my favorite things this summer has been listening to people who've seen Shaden Sharp play, try to describe what Shaden Sharp playing looks like. Because people would just get, they would sort of be tongue tied and it would just be sort of like, well, he just looks right. Like he just <laughs> looks, he just looks smooth. He just, and it was just, it's just, it's so funny, but um he had a night, a, a game the other night and, you know, it was, uh, against the Maccabi team. So it mm-hmm. was, the, it was a bunch of ex NBA players really that he played against. So it wasn't, yeah. you know, just kids, but like, you know, keeping the expectations, um, mm-hmm. trying to keep them in check, but he went off for like 27 points and he just looked smooth. And I was like, Oh, I see. So yeah. Like what did you see him at the combine when he was, I there did. Recently? I saw I was at his pro day. Yeah, okay. I w- watched his pro day, and uh, it was in- it was interesting because that was my first uh, NBA combine, and one of the highlights of it was kind of watching him because he was a mystery, right? Like nobody had really seen him play. I've heard conflicting stories about whether or not he practiced at Kentucky or not. I've heard some people say he didn't practice. I heard some people say he did. I wasn't able to confirm which side was more accurate or not. And so at, at his pro day, and uh, I remember like talking to different teams and they're like, you know, we don't want to be at pro days because they're so scripted, but we have to be here because a lot of us did not get an opportunity to see him live. Or, and we're just like, you know, you're kind of judging him based off of like, wow, he has good size. Okay. Wow. He's athletic and he can do this and that. And so there were some teams that were just kind of like, it's too risky. We don't know anything about him. And then there were some teams that were kind of like, well, I mean, this guy is really talented <laughs> and we don't want to miss out. So he was like the the biggest wild card, at least in my opinion, of last year's draft. And then unfortunately, or, or this year's draft. And then unfortunately, he got hurt in summer league. So it was like the first six minutes of the game or something like that. I was, I was at the game. And, and so it's kind of like, this is people's first opportunity to really, really watch him play. But I mean, he has an amazing story. I mean, at at this time or like a year and a half ago, he wasn't even like the top 100 ranked high school recruit. And he had such a phenomenal summer. Then they found a way to, I don't know, fix the books and get him eligible (laughs) for this draft. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's still like a mystery, but you have to be pleased with what you've seen and, and uh, my, my biggest question is, like, what role does he play this year? Because he's in, like, a unique spot as a top 10 pick on a team that is not a that is not expected to be a lottery team. So he's on a team that is expected to win. But at the same time, it's like they're going to have to 
have a fine line between developing and letting him play through mistakes and also trying to win games when the West is really competitive. So his role this year is probably one of my top 10 like storylines for, for this basketball season as someone that has an interest in like the draft and younger guys. As a, as a blazer fan, um, are you intrigued by the new coach and what that's going to be like? Like, is he going to play those younger guys? Um, are, are we really going to see a different brand? Do you have any thoughts yet as a Blazer fan on, um, you know, how, how the new coach is different from the previous coach and what we might be looking for just to keep it interesting this coming season? Yeah, I don't know because, I mean, he got such a – short he got such a short window last year due to to the injuries and so on and then I was one of the people that felt like stats it wasn't his fault like I didn't think it was his fault why the team kind of underachieved I felt like I mean you know, if you have Mello and Cantor together on the floor, you're not going to be very good. <laughs> and I like both of those guys. And so I just didn't think that it was Stott's fault. So, um, you know, with Billups, you know, it's kind of like, of course, there's change. And 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 it's, it's like, on one hand, it's kind of good for him because he, his first year, he kind of got to see what it was like to wear there was no pressure at the end of the year where he could just kind of develop and and kind of implement his own style. And then now like his second year, it's like, I mean, they're expected to win, they're expected to win. So I don't, I don't really have a good feel on his philosophy as far as veterans and young guys, because the team has, it's just the weirdest situation to me because you have your superstar, super loyal guy, that wants to be there that is totally fine with being in Portland, but at the same time, you know, he wants to win. But then on the other hand, you know, you have to develop younger guys. And when they drafted sharp to me, it was more so of we're going for the best player available, not the best player that can come in and contribute right away. So it's a very weird mix that I, as a Blazers fan, I can't say I have a good feel on, and I'm looking forward to seeing how things are are balanced out. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. In some ways, I feel like um, the coach's first year as much as is as much of a mystery as Shaden Sharp. <laughs> Just yeah, because yeah. We didn't really get to see uh, uh, the situation, but it, it felt like um, if nothing else, he got those young guys to compete. Yeah. Yep. And like to me that you know, that's a really good sign. <laughs> yeah, It's got to yeah. be hard for those teams that are not necessarily trying to win uh, to have those guys show up every night, knowing they're going to be, you know, out outgunned by 20 or 30 points, but still to leave it all on the floor and end up some of them are earning a contract. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's the weird thing. Do. Yeah. And that's, what's weird about like, quote unquote tanking, because every young guy that is getting those opportunities is trying to win. And every coach is competitive. No coach wants to lose. Mm -hmm. It's more so the people in the front office that want mm -hmm. to lose. Mm -hmm. And I thought that with the Blazers young guys, they were competitive because they're, you know, honestly, they're fighting for their NBA lives. And of course, Billups wants to win, but I liked how he was 
engaged. Like he was, I mean, he still had something to prove with no prior coaching experience. And, uh, but yeah, I, I was pleased despite the fact that you know, I had different expectations coming into the season. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be, um, it's right around the corner. I can't believe it. It is finally happening. Um, I have, uh, so many more questions, so I'm hoping someday that you can come on again. Uh, Anytime. it's been great. I loved talking to you. Um, but I know, uh, you know, it's good to, good time to wrap it up. So, I kind of rattle off a bunch of stuff at the beginning where people could find you. Um, can you share like how the best way for people to find your work where you would suggest they go? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E-5-0-0. I'm on there every day. And so you can find me there. I have a podcast covering the NBA draft, Locked On, NBA Big Board. And I usually do maybe Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So you can find my podcast there. I have my website, NBA Draft Junkies, which I'm in the process of trying to figure out how to rebrand it in a sense. Um, but there'll be information there. And then I have the newsletter, NBA Big Board. It is behind the paywall. It is um, exclusive content. And for those that don't know what Chad Ford did was he got a lot of intel from different teams. And he was, he was able to get tons of scouts and front office executives and agents to kind of talk anonymously about what goes on behind the scenes. So I have been building my, I guess, Rolodex of NBA scouts to to get different intel from. So it's a combination of like my scouting reports, my thoughts, and then with different intel from NBA front office people. But what makes it a little different this year is I'm going to try to get intel from different players who have played against you know guys like for example i'm just throwing out an example if there was someone that played pickup with shade and sharp this summer i would ask them like what are your thoughts and they could tell you you know their thoughts on him from their perspective of being on the floor with him and guarding him and all that so i'm um, looking forward to adding that different dimension this year on nbabigboard.com it's 50 dollars for the year and then it's just seven dollars a month Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And since you're a Blazer fan, we can say go Blazers. Go Blazers. Yeah, thank you for having me on. If you want to have me on again, just uh, shoot me a message and we can definitely make it happen. Awesome.